0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hope everybody enjoyed the weekend, the Super Bowl, and most of all, how great is it to have Islanders hockey back after 10 days off for the All-Star break and the CBA-mandated bye week? Saturday afternoon, Islanders finally back on the ice for an NHL game. It felt like forever but thankfully it does take place, the Islanders play, and they earn a point in a 4-3 overtime loss to the Vancouver Canucks, of course, we will break all of that game down for you, and it's a mixed bag, Uh, some points were very good, and the Islanders have to be happy to at least get one point, and it's crucial when you look at the standings, but uh, some breakdowns, some questionable officiating, and... uh, We have a lot to talk about when it comes to this game. A little bit later on in the show, we will have a special look back on this date in Islanders history as we recall the first Long Island native to score a goal for the New York Islanders. So we'll have that discussion a little bit later on in the show. But first of all, before we get to the game, if you want to join the show, if you have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, Please shoot us an email, leave your name and where you're from, and we'll mention you on the air, and the email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, so uh, please feel free to shoot us a comment, question, or a topic that is on your mind that you'd like for us to discuss. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on all things New York Islanders. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review on uh, iTunes or on uh, Stitcher or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. That certainly helps the show by making other Islander fans aware of it and helps grow the Locked On Islanders community. So we certainly do appreciate that. All right, let's get down to business here. Islanders and Canucks. Islanders finally resuming play after the long layoff. And Tomas Grice gets the start in goal for the Islanders while uh, Jacob Markstrom is in between the pipes for the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks came in red hot and uh, had a four-game winning streak entering this game. They had already played after the All-Star break, so they were active. Islanders rested. The scratches for the Islanders in this one, uh, Sebastian Aho and Ross Johnston were out of this game as scratches. So, everyone else healthy and available for the Islanders, was out there on the ice. Now, this game did not get off to the best of starts for the Islanders. They had a little trouble uh, early on clearing the puck out of their own zone, and then just 2 9 into the game, JT Miller gets his 20th goal of the season. It's an unassisted goal, and what really made this goal possible more than anything was that Tom Kunakel basically lost his stick. So, the Islanders were not shorthanded, but they were playing almost like they were shorthanded, and they had trouble. Uh, You know, it's essentially a five-on-four. Cunackle, all he could do was try to get in the way of a pass or a shot, and as a result, the Canucks able to sustain time in the Islander zone, and Miller is able to get that Uh, opening goal of the game, and quickly, before everyone even had a chance to take their seats, it was 1-0 in favor of Vancouver. Now, for the Islanders, now this was also, by the way, the first Canucks shot on goal in this game, so, you know, not a great start for Grice, and certainly not a great start for the Islanders. Now, the Islanders do get back into the game, and to their credit, they bounce back fairly quickly. The goal comes at 5:23, so uh, a little bit more than three minutes after the Miller goal, and it's Michael Dalcole getting his third of the year from Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson, and Bailey really made this play. Uh, he, he circled around in back of the goal held the puck very very nicely to set up the play and Del Cole to his credit got very good positioning uh on on the deflection so Del Cole able to uh to get this one and and deflected home past Markstrom to tie the game at one apiece and and you know Islanders had to be happy with the way Bailey, his vision, and the way he handled the puck, and his patience, that really helped make this play possible, and then the good positioning by Dalcole and suddenly it is 1-1. Now, the Islanders got the first power play opportunity of the game shortly after the tying goal, just about, uh, you know, 28 seconds afterwards, uh, Christopher Tanev, Called for hooking. He took Cunackle down at 551, and uh, the Islanders unable to get much going on the power play. Now, the Islanders did, however, have the better of the play for most of the first period, and he had some good for-checking early on by the uh Brassard, and Dal Cole line. And they were outshooting the Canucks for most of the period, ended up with a 12-5 advantage in shots on goal. But again, the Islanders unable to take advantage of the extra opportunities. And when you outshoot a team better than two to one at 12 to 5 for the period, the fact that the game is even at 1 1 has to be a bit of a disappointment for Barry Trotts and the New York Islanders players. So after 20 minutes, you're out shooting the opposition 12-5 at home, but the game is all even at one apiece. All right, we're going to step aside. We'll come back and discuss the second period and the third period and overtime, of course, as well. More to talk about with this game and more on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So the second period gets underway, Islanders quickly go on the power play as Bo Horvat was called for tripping Tom Cunackle. second penalty drawn by Kunacle in this game, but the Islanders don't get much going on the power play, they are really unable to sustain any kind of attack in the power play, a bit of a disappointment, uh, In this particular opportunity and really over the course of the entire game, something again that the Islanders are going to need to improve if they want to take that next step forward and become an elite contender for the Stanley Cup playoffs coming up this spring. And overall for the Islanders throughout the first period, period and a half, you know we they had twelve shots on goal in that first period they had a a number of shots early in the second period, but too many of them were from the perimeter. too many shots from the point from the outside, not enough quality chances overall and that's not a good strategy uh when it comes to trying to score. You want to get in front of the net, you want to create traffic, you want to get rebounds, deflections, shots from in between the circles and on down outside the crease. Uh, from the slot area, and the Islanders just did not have uh, enough of those, and it costs them. Midway through the period, Quinn Hughes gets his seventh goal of the season for Vancouver from Christopher Tanev and Brock Bosner uh, at 948, and this is, I think, out of all the goals scored in this game, one that Tomas Grice would like to have back. It slipped in between his pads. He didn't really play this one properly, and it beats him. One of those things again that he wanted to have back, and did not get that opportunity. Now, on the uh, that makes it two to one Vancouver, and then a little more than five minutes later, Vancouver makes it. A three-to-one game, and this is a tough goal because it's a delayed penalty situation. Johnny Boychuk called for a penalty. He took down a player in the defensive zone. Not a lot of controversy about this particular call, but the Islanders just sort of stood around a little bit, weren't aggressive enough, and allowed a rebound. You know, Brandon Sutter with the shot. Uh, Tim Schaller gets the rebound, beats Grice at 14-56, Schaller his fifth from Sutter and Adam Gaudette, and all of a sudden, the Islanders are down by a score of 3-1, to one, and, you know, the home crowd starting to get a little bit restless, to say the least. Now, Islanders do bounce back, and this was a pretty goal, and... All set up. It's Jordan Eberly getting the goal. His eighth of the season. And it was all set up uh by a beautiful saucer pass or feather pass by Anthony Beauvillier. Uh Beauvillier with a with a pretty backhanded pass that sets up Eberly. Devin Tays also gets an assist. Time of the goal 1645. Eberly starting to come around getting more goals. And we said he's more of a second half player. Very important for him to heat up. And he does seem to be doing just that. But the play really made by Bovillier with that beautiful touch pass that really made the goal possible. Now, the controversial uh, moment in this game comes just a few seconds after that second Islanders goal. Uh, actually, it comes one minute and three seconds later, uh, Adam Godet called for tripping Matthew Barzal, and yet Barzal, instead of a power play, the Islanders end up having to skate four-on-four because Barzal is called for embellishment, uh, or diving, basically speaking, and as a result, instead of a power play, it's even strength, and this was a tough time because the Islanders had the momentum at that moment. They were in control of the tempo. They had just gotten that goal and and, and were climbing their way back into the hockey game, and a power play would have been a big opportunity for them, and Barry Trotz not afraid to voice his displeasure about this call after the game was over. Here's the quote from Trotz on the goal. I thought it was just a common sense call. The stick was right under his skate and he has the puck. There's no reason to embellish. And he basically called out the referee, a 25-year-old rookie named Brandon uh, Schrader, and basically said he seemed rattled by the situation. And, uh, you know, look, Trots obviously can't go too far in saying things like that because you don't want to draw a fine from the NHL, but I, I agree with him in the sense that the call really did not make a lot of sense. And one thing I'm tired of, and it happens all too frequently nowadays in the NHL, why does the NHL insist on calling embellishment or diving penalties when they're also actually calling a trip. If the trip is real, there really it should only be in extraordinary circumstances that an embellishment penalty is called. When you want to call diving or an or embellishment, and technically it's an unsportsmanlike conduct call, is when there is no trip and a player fakes going down and 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 being taken out of the play and being tripped that's when you want to call that kind of a penalty. And instead, they're busy calling the embellishment penalty when there actually is a trip. It's one of those rules that really, on its face, does not make a lot of sense. And whether you agree with that interpretation or not, at the end of the day, this was not embellishment on the part of Uh, of the Islanders, and on the part of Matthew Barzal, it was a questionable call at best, and it cost the Islanders some momentum at that point in time. They do not get the power play, and as a result, the second period ends still with the score 3-2 in favor of the Vancouver Canucks. Trotz continue to argue the call, by the way, uh, as the second period expired, after 40 minutes, it was 3 2 Vancouver, Islanders outshooting the Canucks 20 17. And again, Trots letting his uh, dissatisfaction with that call be known to the officials. All right, we're going to step away one more time. We'll be back with the third period in overtime, plus this date in Islanders history and more. Stay with us right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so in the third period, Islanders putting on some pressure, trying to get back into the hockey game, they finally, uh, you know, Markstrom had a strong third period, kept them off the board, with 1.16 left in regulation time, Islanders pull Tomas Grice for the extra attacker, and it does end up paying off with just uh, 25.1 seconds left in regulation, the Islanders get the game-tying goal, Brock Nelson in excellent position, Uh, Ryan Pulak taking a shot that deflected, I think, twice before it got to Nelson, who was just off to the side of the crease, but, you know, this is exactly what you need with an empty net. You have an extra skater out there, which means that the defense cannot cover every player in the attack zone and Nelson was the one who was uncovered, and he was just off to the left side of the crease, was able to get the goal on the deflection for Nelson, his 21st from Pulak and Barzal at 1934, and as a result, the Islanders tie the game, they head into overtime right there, and they got that big uh, point locked up as a result. Now, the Game-winning goal comes quickly in overtime. Quinn Hughes, his eighth from Elias uh, Pedersen and J.T. Miller at 42 seconds. And it was one of those situations where the Islanders' defense was just a little bit too passive. The Canucks did a good job of circling, of uh, sort of creating little mini picks to get a little bit of space and time with the puck in the Islanders' zone. But instead of actually attacking the player with the puck, the Islanders stayed back and sort of mirrored them, and that allowed uh, the Canucks to get the shot. Hughes beats uh, Grice blocker side, and Grice clearly screened because, again, the Islander defenders shadowing the Vancouver player rather than actually trying to attack the puck, force a turnover, uh, and and move things along. So that ends up costing them, and in the end, it's a 4-3 to overtime loss for the New York Islanders. Grice, with only 20 saves in 24 shots in this game, that was uh, only an 833 save percentage, Again, one goal, I think, was a questionable goal by him. The game winner, he didn't see it. He was screened, but Grice did not play uh, his best hockey. Multiple point games, uh, Brock Nelson with a goal and an assist to lead the Islanders, but the Islanders had some problems here. Cunackle and Brassard both a minus three in this game, and Cunackle, uh, benched for the third period, finished the game with only six minutes and forty-seven seconds of ice time. And that had to be disappointing for him. Sazek great in the face-off circle, five out of seven. Brock Nelson wins 12, loses 10. A disappointing game in the in the uh on face-offs on draws for Derek Brassard. Out of nine face-offs he took, he wins only two. Matt Martin leads the team in hits with seven. In just 10 minutes and 5 seconds of ice time. The one thing you didn't see a lot of blocked shots in this game. Uh, Anders Lee, Anthony Beauvillier, and Ryan Pulak each had two to lead the Islanders. But the blocked shots really weren't there for the team. And that was a little bit disappointing. Devin Taves leads all defensemen and all Islanders players with 24-02 of ice time. Matthew Barzal leads the forwards with 2208 of ice time and as far as shots on goal were concerned a bunch of players splitting it with 4 Mayfield and Pulak among the defensemen Barzal and Lee each with 4 shots on goal among the forwards the Islanders get a point they needed that point badly but in the end they fall 4 to 3 in overtime Okay, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to February 3rd, 1977 at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. 15,317 fans on hand as the Islanders host the New York Rangers. The goaltenders, Chico Resch for the Islanders, Gilles Graton for the Rangers, and Graton wearing his infamous lion or tiger mask, but the big story, a couple of things about this game that make it stand out. First of all, before the game started, Ed Westfall, who was the first captain in Islanders history, he stepped down, and Clark Gillies ended up wearing the C for the very first time. So Westfall had served as captain from the very first Islanders game in 1972 up until this time, but he wasn't Playing as often as his career started to wind down, so he would come off the uh, get rid of the C and hand it to Clark Gillies. Now, Gillies, it it worked out pretty well for him. Just 2:21 into the game, Gillies his 18th goal from Brian Trottier and Dennis Potvin, and quickly the Islanders had a one-to-nothing lead. But the Rangers answer back. Mike McEwen scoring his ninth goal at 321, exactly one minute after the Gillies goal. McEwen is ninth from Rod Gilbert, and the game is tied at one. J.P. Parise gives the Islanders a two-to-one lead with his 16th of the year from Ju Drouin and Dennis Potvin, and at the end of 20 minutes, it's two-to-one in favor of the Islanders. In the second period, the Islanders get on the board quickly, John Potvin with his fifth of the year from Burt Marshall and Lauren Henning, 21 seconds into the period, and it was three to one Islanders, but the Rangers again answer back. Bill Goldsworthy, the former Minnesota North Star, with his fifth from Pat Hickey and Nick Fatiu at 101. So a pattern starting to develop. Islanders score. Rangers answer pretty quickly after that. Now. The Islanders increase their lead, they make it 4-2, as Brian Trottier scores his 19th from Gillies and Dennis Potvin at 627, and then the Rangers answering back. Left-wing Steve Vickers, his 15th, from Carol Vadney and Walt Kachuk at 10-11, and after 40 minutes, it is 4-3 in favor of the Islanders, Rangers with uh, 28 shots to 19 for the Islanders, through 40 minutes, and it just looked like, uh, you know, Glenn Resch was doing a great job of keeping his team in the game. But the third period belonged to the Islanders. First, Dennis Potvin, his 15th from Jude Druin and Bobby Nystrom at 9-17, made it 5-3, to three, a goal scored from 50 feet out that Jill Gratone just blew, and certainly that angered the Ranger coaching staff after the game. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh then at 11.05, Richie Hansen, his first from Gary Howitt, and that makes it six to three Islanders. But the reason this is special, first of all, for Richie Hansen, his first NHL goal. But here's the other thing: Hansen, uh the first ever Long Island native to play and score a goal for the New York Islanders. And ironically, it comes against the Rangers. Now, Hansen grew up on Long Island, but he grows up a Ranger fan because obviously when he was started to like hockey, there were no New York Islanders. And Hansen's father even had season tickets at Madison Square Garden for some Ranger seasons. Now, here is, uh, this is uh, the quote from Hanson, this is what I always wanted all my life. He gets that first NHL goal, and uh, it comes against the team he grew up rooting for as a child, the first Long Islander ever to play on uh, the Islanders, and to get a goal for the Islanders, and by the way, no other Long Island native would score for the Islanders until Chris Ferraro did it during the 1999 2000 season. So, uh, you know, Richie Hansen gets that goal, does a little dance after the goal is over, and uh, certainly pleased with the way things went. He did not go on to greatness, only played 20. NHL games in his hockey career, 18 of them with the Islanders, but this moment certainly a big one for the Northport native, getting his first NHL goal and becoming the first Long Island native to score for the New York Islanders on this date in Islanders history, Islanders 6, Rangers 3, February 3rd, 1977. All right, that's going to do it for us on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Tomorrow, we will be back with a full preview of the Islanders game at Barkley Center against the Dallas Stars. Plus, we'll have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day.